0: think the classical music is not for you, and you don't know where to start, or maybe you're a fan already and would welcome a fresh approach. You've come to the right place. perfect pitch is for everyone, beginners or experts, whatever your age. Lend Nick Healy Hutchinson your
1: ears for his weekly dose of classical music that will enrich your life. If I asked you to name a handful of the most famous piano pieces ever written. There has to be a fair chance, however new you may be to classical music, that you come up with Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. It's just one of those pieces that everyone recognises, and was also extremely popular when it was composed in 1801. Its nickname had nothing to do with Beethoven, that was applied about 30 years later by a critic, who likened the opening movement to the moon casting its light over Lake Lucerne. A number of people pooh-poohed the moniker, but it has stuck to this day. Everyone knows the first movement, but I want to play the whole thing, it's only 15 minutes, to show you how it progresses from its gentle opening to a fiendish climax in the third movement. Franz Liszt described the fresh and pretty two-minute second movement as a flower between two chasms. When the final movement does come along, it almost amounts to an assault on the keyboard. It's unremittingly ferocious, requiring the finest technique and, I suspect, a certain level of fitness. I love this recording by Valentina Lizitza. Yes, you know the tune all right, but listen to the dialogue between the left and right hand in the first movement, which is so tender and clear. Then there's a real lightness of touch in the second. But the finale is just amazing. I wasn't sure why at first, and then I realised that every single note is heard as a result of a careful and judicious use of pedalling. It can be easy to overdo it with what we all call the loud pedal, but too much of it means that the notes run into each other and get lost. You can barely notice its use here. The progression from the tranquility of the first movement to the tempestuousness of the last is, I think, just as it should be, and that is why it's so much more fun to listen to the whole thing rather than just one part. Beethoven's Piano Sonata Number no. 14 in C-sharp minor the Moonlight to you and me and everyone else is played here by Valentina Lisitsa. In 1840, Robert Schumann wrote a series of songs as a wedding gift to his beloved Clara. Amongst them is Widmung, meaning dedication, which is a poem by Friedrich ruckert we We've come across him before with Mahler. Schumann's longing and love for Clara is made more than clear right from the very first notes. There's a passion and an urgency in the music, matching the text. You, my soul, you, my heart. You, my rapture, O you, my pain. You, my world in which I live, my heaven, you to which I aspire. O you, my grave, into which my grief forever I have consigned. You are repose, you are peace, you are bestowed on me from heaven. Your love for me gives me my worth, your eyes transfigure me in mine. You raise me lovingly above myself, my guardian angel, my better self. Schumann's Widmung is sung here by Barbara Bonney with Vladimir Ashkenazi at the piano. What a tune this is, and as near perfect a song as you could hope for. Amongst Schumann's many friends, he could count the Hungarian composer Franz Liszt. We may talk about this extraordinary man another time, but for now I just want to demonstrate his skills as a transcriber of other composers' works. Such were his outstanding skills at the keyboard. He was actually a bit of a superstar and may well be the first performer to be the target of ladies' underwear launched from an ecstatic audience. Yes, that really did happen. The great violinist Paganini had been similarly idolised, but I'm not sure that reaction had caught on just yet. One of these transcriptions was of the song we just heard. It's a bit of a showpiece with lots of dramatic flourishes and consequently often finds its place as an encore, at the end of a recital or perhaps after his own piano concerto. Put together Schumann, Liszt and one of the finest living pianists today, Marta Agorich, and you have the perfect cocktail of passion and tenderness. Here she is playing it as an encore in a live performance. In 2016, soon after the Olympics in Rio, I was a guest of the National Youth Orchestra of Great Britain at their prom in the Albert Hall. If you've ever attended a concert there, you'll know that the quality and volume of the sound can vary enormously depending on where you are sitting or standing. Over the years, i found myself almost always wishing the music was a little louder. But on this joyous occasion, there were actually moments when I felt myself recoiling from the wall of sound, almost muttering, Do you think you could turn it down a whisker? There were over 160 musicians, aged between 13 and 19 on the stage, and I can say with complete confidence that I have never before heard volume like it anywhere in a live performance. The atmosphere, conveyed by a visible passion for music-making by these enormously talented players, encouraged by the conductor Edward Gardner, is not something you would ever forget. I mentioned the Olympics because I remember quite clearly being struck by the enthusiasm, inspiration and hope which youth all around the world demonstrated in every event, winner or loser, for the future. So the concert was especially apt in that context. Even more apt was the inclusion of a piece by Gustav Holst, who lived between 1874 and 1934, who, having taught at St Paul's school for girls in Hammersmith for some 30 years, was a great believer in the community spirit which music can instill. Despite his foreign-sounding name, Holst was British, of Swedish descent. On the programme that evening was his most famous and best received piece, The Planets, composed between 1914 and 17, a group of seven suites, illustrating the moods of each as felt by Holst. Out of the Swede today I have picked Jupiter, the bringer of jollity, and this is actually the very performance I attended. At its heart, it introduces a deeply emotive theme, later set to words by Sir Cecil Spring Rice in I Vow to Thee My Country. Contrary to some views, Hulse was entirely happy and flattered to be approached with the idea. It's believed that the words were found on Spring Rice's desk when he left office as ambassador to the United States in 1918. In recent years, there's been some debate about whether its words make it unsuitable as a British anthem. Well, whatever your views... You can't deny this is one electrifying piece of music. Jupiter demonstrates how happiness and exaltation does not have to be portrayed with excessive flamboyance. A stirring theme can do the trick too. It may explain why sometimes we are moved to tears with joy rather than outright laughter. And it sums up so well the emotions I felt watching this orchestra after the Olympics with their common characteristics of youth striving for excellence. A love that never falters, forever lurks in the background. Unlike me at the Albert Hall, you're in a position to turn this down a bit, and for the protection of your ears if you're listening on headphones, it might be advisable. If not, then just turn it up and relish the enormous sound.